Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your host, Lisa Drennan, and today we have the amazing Pamela Sams with us. She is a financial advisor, a trusted advisor for a professional woman who has been in the industry for quite some time, and we're just excited to tap into her financial genius today and see what strategy she's going to be sharing with us. Thank you so much, Pamela, for being here. I love your shirt. It says more than a financial advisor. How did that <laughs> Great. <come laughs> Thank you very much for having me, Lisa. Actually, I have um, this. I got this shirt. Uh, I was featured in um, Red Tail Heroes about uh, several years ago. I think it was prior to to COVID. Uh, Red Tail is a uh, a contact relation management system, a CRM system, primarily for financial advisors. And they just liked my story. Uh, so they decided to feature me in uh, the Red Terror Heroes and what I'm doing in the community. And out of it, I got this nice shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So t- what made you decide to become a financial advisor? Well, the story is a... Uh, a little bit of a journey. Uh, so I have a actually an undergraduate degree in marketing and advertising and uh, started out in that career track. And then back in 1999, put the 19 in front of it uh, for those people who are there younger, uh, where everything starts with the two zero. But back in 1999, I uh, went back to school, got an MBA, thought it was going to be in marketing, ended up liking most of the finance classes. So uh, I started, um, I majored in financial management. So I got an MBA in financial management, thought I was going to go with the whole illustrious, you know, everybody sees in the movies, the Wall Street banker, the investment banker, all of that high profile thing. And that just wasn't what I was meant to do. I had two kids back to back in graduate school. So so that wasn't going to work, working 60 hours, 60 to 80 hours a week. Uh, so I took a sabbatical trying to figure out what my next best step would be, uh, as Oprah Winfrey would say. And out of that, unfortunately, my my dad got sick and um, and eventually passed away, leaving my mom a widow after 50 years of marriage. Oh, wow. uh, so I was able to step in and kind of help out and show her some ways that she could uh, maximize what she had left, what my dad had left for her and really make sure she was uh, set to be a uh, living on her own as a widow. So I figured there were other women similar uh, to my mom's situation. So I figured that's what God, uh, you know, I always have divine uh, wisdom on what comes to me. So I thought that was where I needed to be. It was really helping women secure their financial future so they could sleep well at night. That's my tagline. 
Uh, so I sat home and got my shingle in 20, uh, 2002 uh, and started um, helping women, single by choice, divorced and women. Uh, I'm sorry, single and divorced and widowed um, and really helping them with their finances. So I've been doing that for the last 21 years. And that's how I came a financial advisor. Told you it was a little bit of a journey. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a beautiful journey. And I, I love that you have the marketing behind you because it helps in all coaching industries. You know, all the coaches listening out there, they step into entrepreneur world, not realizing they got to do marketing and sales and mm-hmm. all the back end as they're, you know, growing their business. So when you were a little girl, what's your earliest memory around money? Yeah, I was just having this conversation. I did a presentation on behavioral finance not too long ago. Um, so I do that talk uh, a lot. Um, the earliest money memory is really uh, collecting um, green stamps. I'm probably dating myself and probably, probably, probably don't even remember, but they were called green stamps, eagle stamps, whatever. And so you would go to the store and out of your pur- purchase, you would get these stamps and you would get a booklet with it. And out of it, you can go ahead and stamp the booklet. And when you got it full, you would turn it to return it to the store for merchandise, shoes, gum, whatever uh, you would have. So that was my job. Once my parents went grocery shopping or whenever they went shopping, giving me and my brother the green stamps to fill in the booklets. And so we were delighted when we both had them filled up and then we can turn return them for merchandise. So that was really one of my early money memories. No, I love that. Yep. I remember green stamps. We <laughs> we had a, a grocery store called Star Market and my mom, mm-hmm. you know, like, time we went grocery shopping, she'd let me hold on to the green stamps because I didn't want to go. And she's like, well, you can hold on to the green stamps. They'd be like, oh, okay. I'd like to look through and see what were the possibilities and how many stamps we needed to get in order to get. Yes. You know, that the was big, the fun part. <laughs> yeah. The, the big ticket item. And we always, we always kind of went for the middle of the thing, but yeah, it was fun to collect all of them. And uh, it's disappointing when they got rid of it, but you know, yeah, yeah. They, they need to bring something, maybe something similar back, you know, incentive, incentivize people to, yeah. you know, either save or do something like that. That, that would yeah. be neat. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and saving is so important, but a lot of times, you know, especially entrepreneurs, they don't want to save. They want to spend. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what is one of the biggest challenges that you see in your industry when someone comes to you realizing that, oh, wow, you know, I'm, 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 I need to prepare for my future. And this is how mm-hmm. much money I have. Like maybe they have a very small portfolio. I know a lot of coaches go into retirement with $30,000 to their name. Mm-hmm. How, how would you uh, yeah. counsel them or give them, you know, direction? Yeah. Would you provide? It's a uh, it's a difficult challenge. Um, you know, a lot of times I always say, you know, I, I think it was uh, the last several months people came to me and they were like right at about thirty five or forty years old, and so that's usually the wake up call where people are like maybe I need to do something uh, with my finances in my life. So people come and they don't have a whole lot, but that's why you know I always take people where I tell them I can only take you where you are right now. But and then we develop some savings habits in order for them to move themselves forward. So even if it's fifty dollars here, twenty five dollars here, whatever it is, starting that habit because once you start systematizing and well, you know, automating your savings program, then you can kind of see that grow. Uh, a lot of times, people are also um, a little shy when it comes to, or a little gun shy when it comes to investing. 
that's basically how you grow wealth is, uh, you know, have some participation with growing um, either in the stock market or some other type of uh, wealth vehicle that you can grow with that. So you do have to have an investment strategy. Um, so even if that's starting small with some of the um, some of the programs that are out there that will help you do um, what they call dollar cost averaging or diversifying your portfolio with just simple you know, taking rounding up coins so you can invest or putting in a certain amount of money, um, you know, basically a drip program where you're allowed mm -hmm. to put in a certain amount and then they invest it for you if you're not very comfortable with that. So even if you start small, really just looking at what that end goal is, but you need to start developing that savings habit. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why one of my favorite investments is a Roth IRA. I mean, mm -hmm. it allows that smaller amount and you could, you know, add to it all at once or throughout the year, you know, mm -hmm. or even just do a minimum deposit. And then, you know, that's that's good. And it's just a beautiful vehicle in order to grow your money. When you think about um, your you talked about behavior, you talked about um, the strategies. You said you were doing some kind of web webinars or speaking events mm -hmm. Can you more about that. Yeah, so I uh, speak all around the country and actually have been uh, international doing, you know, a variety of different talks. One is uh, really behavioral finance, understanding how people make their decisions with their money. And it goes all the way back. You had asked me about my early money memory, and it goes back to when we were kids. We learn our uh, our money habits as early as six or seven years old. So I always tell people it's like, you know, in the background. Your six and seven year old self is really running your finances. Is that something that you want to do? If that's not the case, you need to understand how you make your financial decisions. It could be something that's deeply rooted that you learned a long time ago. You know, and in Christian principles, sometimes people misread that um, that money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. Not the money, but sometimes people get that in their money, uh, what they call their money scripts. And that runs in their background. So it's only a certain amount that they're going to amass before they think that's that money is going to be evil and it's not going to, you know, make them a good person. So you need to understand what your money story and some of these um, outdated scripts that are running in the background that could be prohibiting you from move, moving forward financially. Yeah, I love that. In my program, um, I date money, you know, wealth, health, wealth acceleration program. We rewrite our money story using the power mm -hmm. of combined with scent and really captivating the thoughts and realizing that, wait a minute, this is a money mantra I grew up with. Is it really true? Mm -hmm. And really getting to that, to the root belief of what it is about money and why we're making the decisions that we're making, you know, because we mm -hmm. all we all buy from emotion. We spend money based on our emotion, how we're feeling that day. And a lot of that is dictated by the way we were not taught growing up, but what we caught growing up, you know, mm -hmm. because finances weren't taught to us, but we caught what our parents did, what was modeled for us. Mm -hmm. Well, how did your parents model finances to you? Yeah, you know, my parents were products of, uh, you know, the Great Depression. See, I have mm -hmm. uh, older parents. So, you know, I remember stories, them telling me stories of, you know, collecting scrap metal for the war effort, you know. And so every nickel and dime that they received, 
Uh, you know, I wouldn't say they were frugal. <laughs> I wouldn't say misers, but they were frugal. And so a lot of that was, uh, you know, imprinted on, uh, you know, I'm a family of eight, so I'm number seven of eight. But a lot of us grew up with that. We need to, you know, save, 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 save. So my parents, as I said, the older generation never really invested. They were good savers. They had a lot of money uh, in the bank, cash reserves, CDs, all of that sort of thing, but never really grew it past that um, because it was all, I don't trust the stock market because the crash and the depression and we don't want to anything to do with that. Um, so sometimes it takes uh, getting out of that mantra that you have either saw with your parents or the, um, the environment that you grew up with to in order to break through that. So, you know, now I'm still quite a bit of a saver than my husband would be. Uh, but, you know, I have to kind of say, okay, this is what I'm spending money on. This is for, you know, let's say college education for my kids or furthering my business or whatever. So really matching that goal with your mindset and your values. So that's what I do with uh, my clients with behavioral finances. What are your values? And then what are your goals? And then is your mo behavior modeling what you want to achieve with your goals? Uh, but root it in your values. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's so beautiful. And understanding who we are and how we want to interact with money. That's all about the money relationship, you know, and thus mm -hmm. I money. So if you think about money as a person, imagine money as a person, what does your relationship look like? Mm hmm um it's a story relationship sometimes. Uh, you know, back in the day, you know, when I was younger, uh, especially with um having parents that were fairly frugal and that really wanted to spend. But then, you know, at some point you got bring you break out of that. So in college, you there was a lot of everybody had a credit card. So you got a credit card. So a little bit earlier on, I, I felt victim to, you know, credit card debt a little bit earlier on with that. So it was a stored relationship with money and its relationship. But after you get older and you start to learn the principles of um finance, how money really works in this country, uh, you start to change your behaviors a little bit. So now I have a, a fairly good relationship with, with money. I love that. Money and I are best friends. We hang out all the time and we do great things <laughs> together. And I always say money in the, um, in the hands of good people does great things. And uh -huh. you know, with my money multiplier system, we, we give 10% away and it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. To be able to yeah. support, you know, like we tithe first and then we do our, our, our offerings. We support different organizations and mm -hmm. You know, paying it forward. I love seeing like you know, people's expressions when you just offer them something, and it's just amazing. And you know, a lot of times, the listeners will say, "Well, I can't afford to do that because I'm, you know, I'm buried in debt." And you'd mentioned having some some debt. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, a lot of times people do have that, and it's it's the words uh, you had mentioned. You know, I can't afford that because I have the debt. You know, it's really about changing your your mindsets. Like maybe I can't um, have the resources right now. That's why I always tell people, my clients, and even myself sometimes, is that you know, you whatever words you use. You know, I'm a big proponent of law of attraction and things and energy that comes to you. So if you're busy talking about you know the lack of of course, you're going to attract more lack of. So really changing the words, understanding that, okay, I don't have the resources now, or I don't, ha I have this debt, but, you know, there's a game plan to pay down that debt uh, in an efficient manner. So I, I'm a big proponent of smart goals and making things specific and measurable, actionable, realistic, and time bound is to, I'm in debt now, but 
let's say two years from now, I want to be out of debt and what type of action steps do I need to take now? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, monitoring the language that you're telling yourself when you're in that um, will really dictate it. Because if you keep doing that, you pile on more debt and more debt. But if you have a strategy to pay down your debt and using the correct words while you're going on that journey to pay it down, it would be best for you. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree 100%. Our thoughts are the most powerful tool that we have and implementing a strategy, you know, everything needs an SOP. (laughs) And when you Mm -hmm. apply to your debt, you know, the snowball debt is my favorite way Mm -hmm. to get rid of debt. And, you know, and we have the I Love Debt Worksheet because debt, you know, is borrowing from your future self. Your present self is telling your Mm telling yourself, yeah, I can't wait for this. I'm not going to, you know, make a plan to save for it and then mm-hmm. invest in this service or this product. So I'm going to borrow the money from my future self and worry about it later. And mm-hmm. I think that worry about it later comes into play and kind of drives the uh, vehicle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And unfortunately in this society, yeah, you know, it's uh we want it now type of thing. And of course, you know, you know, the the advent of of credit in this country when that happened is that, you know, now we can have it now. And then we like you said, borrow from your future self, we'll deal with that on the back end of that. Um, it's unfortunate for some people because then they're they're straddled with debt and then they don't know how to um replace it or put it back for their future self. <laughs> so that's what happens sometimes. But if you have, like you said, you know, the debt ball, uh, that snowball, an effective way to pay it down and keeping yourself positive while you're doing it, then, you know, hopefully that'll get you there quicker. Yeah, absolutely. Having that plan in place is so important. So as a financial advisor, what is your expertise? So I focus in on, of course, comprehensive financial planning. So everything from develop helping you develop your budget all the way to estate planning. I don't do the legal documents, but making sure you have uh, an effective game plan for a legacy planning, uh, but primarily uh, retirement strategies. So how much you need to save for retirement and then also retirement income, because a lot of times people accumulate wealth, but they don't know how to decumulate wealth and turn that nest egg into uh, income. So that would be my specialty would be retirement income strategies. I love that. Would you like to share a retirement income strategy with the audience? Uh, yeah. I mean, did you, people have probably heard of, uh, you know, the 4% rule. A lot of times people say, okay, how much do I need to take off of my investments in order to survive? Uh, it has been challenged lately. The 4% may be a little bit too much based on inflation. So maybe two and a half, but the way that I do it is really uh, more of a bucket strategy. It's called time segmentation part of uh, retirement income. So the front end, you're looking at more uh, fixed income type investments to weather the storm. So if something happened within those first two, uh, let's say the first 10 years of your retirement, you'll have something that's fairly uh, conservative that will be able to generate income for you. And then on the back end of those, um, you don't usually, you know, if you segment it out in probably about five to six segments, because you're planning for about 25 plus your retirement, people don't realize that, you know, you work for this amount of time, but you have to make sure you have enough saved to provide resources for you for at least 30 years and then some longer. There's a lot of centenarians that are out there these days. And I'm sure you've worked at, at the Social Security Administration. Uh, mm-hmm. You know that a lot of people keep getting these checks until they're hundreds and that sort of thing. But 
uh, with time segmentation, you really make sure you have enough in each of those segments to provide uh, five-year increments of your retirement. So you're going to fund it in the beginning part, really fairly conservative with um, fixed income type uh, products. And then on the back, you're going to continue to invest it, which is a lot different thought process than most people think. They think they need to get a lot, um, you know, once they get to a certain age, make their portfolio a lot more conservative. That's not the case because you're going to still need an engine to drive um, the wealth that will replenish mm -hmm. those other buckets. So that's what I do when I develop a time uh, segmentation or retirement income strategy for my clients. I love that. And it's so important to go to an expert like yourself to set that up and to find out. I mean, you're never too young to plan mm -hmm. out retirement, you know, because we all need that strategy in place beforehand. I mean, because I did it at such a young age, I was able to retire two and a half years early. And I'm mm -hmm. set, to, I'm set, if I don't do anything else, I'm set till I'm 95. There you go. <laughs> uh, I have like 40 years of, uh, of, of wealth generation generating in my uh, investments, which is really awesome because sometimes when you follow the markets day by day, you're like, oh, man, we took a huge hit today. You know, mm -hmm. by the week, it, you know, it doubled and it's like, oh, look at all the money I made. And, but again, that's that behavior and knowing mm -hmm. that, you know, the market does ebb and flow and, you know, what what's happening on a daily basis isn't as important as the long-term goal. And I know a lot mm -hmm. of people want get rich quick schemes. Mm -hmm. How do you address that? Yeah, that goes back to that. I want it now mentality. <laughs> and I always think of that, uh, that part in the uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I think it was Veruca Sage was like, I want it now. I want it now. And a lot of clients want that right now uh, is that they want uh, to make sure that they're portfolio is going up and up and up and up and up. Uh, but like you said, that's not going to be the case. So I always train, you know, even when the stock market did its, you know, crazy turn during COVID in March of 2020. Uh, you know, I probably had maybe two or three clients give me a call, nervous Nellies that I called them, but everybody else knew there was an effective strategy, a financial plan in place that they knew it was long-term. So they didn't panic on what happened. And that's what happens when you're working with a professional to keep you from jumping out at the wrong time. Uh, statistically, a person who works with a professional tends to have a greater rate of return than a person who's doing it themselves because of that behavioral piece is that you don't know when to, you know, you jump out, but then, you know, I always call it kind of the double dutch of investing. When are you going to get back in? Nobody really knows when to get back in because then you're buying at the top again because everybody's elated and all of that. And you've probably seen the whole roller coaster mm -hmm. um, kind of graphic on the euphoria and then it's down here and people sell and then they don't know when to get back up and they back up and they start buying in the euphoria stage. That's not the way you was to do it. You know, the philosophy, if you buy low, sell high, but nobody ever follows that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And that's what happens when a lot of times people see the the red in their portfolio. They want to jump out. But having a partner, professional partner to help you go through these ebbs and flows um, to make a little bit smoother ride and not look at your portfolio every day because you will drive yourself crazy <laughs> because there yeah. will be days where, like you said, there'll be big dips and then there'll be days where there's double or triple your return. So stay the course and make sure that you have an effective um, investment philosophy and strategy. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, 
trying to do it on your own is, you know, everybody has the DIY, you know, mentality. Mm-hmm. However, if you want to optimize the investments and the strategies, it's so important to work with a professional and someone you trust, you know, because I've seen a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, mismatches. And if you're yes. not, you know, on the same page, you're not in agreement, that becomes an issue. And, you know, that's where that trust becomes like violated and it's like oh i i shouldn't have done that and then you know people take i love the book the richest man in babylon mm-hmm. you know about investing and you know the the one character in the book says well i went to the baker to ask for advice it's in the the you know i was like no you don't go to the baker to ask for financial advice you go to the financial advisor <laughs> you go to the yes. banker <laughs> yes <laughs> so i see a lot of people asking advice you know, just generally yeah. speaking, what's your advice? No, no, they're not going to give you the best advice because that's not their specialty and honor and recognizing. I mean, especially coaches out there listening, you are an expert in your field. You want to have people that are experts with money, manage your money, you know, mm-hmm. and be the, um, you know, for being very diligent about that. So when people come to you um, for financial advice, do you ever hear that? Oh, well, I have an accountant or a CPA that takes care of it. You know, how do you fit into the picture? What's the benefits of, mm-hmm. of working in addition to um, an accountant or bookkeeper or, you know, CPA? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, it's all part of your overall financial team. You know, I always tell people if they're working with an accountant or if they're working with an insurance person or, you know, a property and casualty or whatever, it's all you're all part of the team. And the, your financial advisor is the quarterback, basically, is that you, you the, the financial advisor knows what's going on with every part. That's why I like to coordinate with CPAs and other uh, part of the finance team is to make sure we're doing right in the best interest of, of the client and that there is no one giving, you know, contrary advice because then there's conflict and then the person is like, I don't know who to listen to. And that's what happens is that a lot of times with the DIYs is that you're looking at a little bit of here on TV and you're reading a little bit of this and then your sister-in-law and your brother-in-law has told you some stuff, <laughs> but then you don't know, you know what's right and what to do. Uh, but if you have a finance team, everybody has their part. The, the um, tax accountant gives you tax strategies, helps you prepare for your taxes, your property and casualty person, making sure you have all of the things to protect your your assets, your your car, your home, things like that. You have your financial advisor that does your retirement planning, your budgeting, all of those things. So you need everybody on the team to uh, to play a part. So there's no uh, conflict of interest when it comes to that. I have plenty of people who have both and I refer out uh, in terms of uh, those particular um, parts of the finance team that I don't handle, uh, but making sure everybody's on the same page uh, in the best interest of, of the client. Mm, I love that. So personally speaking, when you think about your relationship with money and, you know, mm-hmm. doing doing what you're doing, you know, you, you went off to college for marketing and then you became a financial advisor because you saw the need and you actually liked numbers better um, mm-hmm. and getting these beautiful portfolios. What would you say is your biggest money, biggest struggle with money? Oh, biggest struggle is... Um... Really, to, you know, to make sure, of course, you're bringing in enough resources, you know, as business owners, and I'm sure as business owners who listen to to your podcast is making sure you do have a steady 
cash flow uh, of income and making sure you have enough put aside for cash reserve. And so there's not any empty spaces in there. So sometimes it gets a little bit frustrating as business owners. Sometimes the cash flow is not there that you want. Uh, so you have to kind of borrow from yourself for a little bit and pay yourself back. So that would be a little bit of a struggle just as a entrepreneur, uh, really just trying to figure out uh, leveling out your cash flow. Um, that was definitely earlier on, you know, I, I haven't figured out totally, but it's a lot smoother ride than it was in the beginning when you're, you know, bar paying Peter to pay Paul type of thing when yeah. you start your business and not really paying yourself, but you, and you don't see the, the benefits of it. Cause you're like, I'm just paying bills. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm helping people, but I'm just paying bills and I'm not seeing any, uh, any income yet. But over time, you know, they always say that five-year mark, you will start to see some profit. You will start to see where you can start paying yourself, getting employees. We do have employees now. So, you know, that, but it'll still be some ebbs and flows that you have to know what your cycle is like during the year, that there's going to be months that are a little bit lean and there's going to be some abundance month. I always mm -hmm. contributed to kind of the seven years of, of, of uh, famine and there's seven years of, uh, of gain there. So you have to kind of level that out as much as you can as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for sharing that because you know, everyone thinks that, oh, I own my own business. I'm my own coach and I do this and that. And I'm always going to have money coming in. And no, there are months, you know, depending on what your, you know, niche is that mm -hmm. you might have a zero month, but then mm -hmm. you, know, you might have a, a six figure month. And understanding mm -hmm. that when you have a system in place, a money management system, you know, especially as, you know, I'm a profit first professional and, mm -hmm implement that strategy, it really allows you to 10x your profit because you have this beautiful system in place that everything's covered. And, you know, looking at your operating expenses, your team, and, you know, and making sure you take care of you because you are your best asset in your business. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Pamela, for sharing all of that. What's one tip that you can offer our audience? Something that would give them a micro result that they can implement right away in to multiply their money. Yep. So, you know, this kind of piggyback off of what we were just talking about in terms of kind of cash flow. I always tell people to use a financial calendar. Um, that's really when bills are due, when your taxes are due and when certain things need to happen. So really putting it all on a calendar when bills are due and your income and when things are going to happen. I'm sure with, um, you know, profit first, that's probably some a similar type of method. But so you can visually see it because sometimes you, you know, really just, oh, I, I got to pay that tomorrow. I got to do that. But if you can put it on a calendar, um, maybe a little spreadsheet, you could take mm -hmm. a look at it. Um, I use a lot of, I, I always recommend people use maybe a budgeting type of tool. They have the financial calendars built in to sometimes you can see that. Um, and so really doing that bonus tip for people who are married, um, I have told them to do what I call financial date nights. Um, so that's really just designating a time of the month or week or how often you want to do it, but really getting a state of the union, basically a state of the family, what's going on financially. We have resources here. We have investments here. We need to do this here those sort of things. So really, if everybody's on the same page and know, especially working with couples, is that the first time that they're really talking about either their retirement or their vision or their dreams about it is with me 
as a third party. So if you have these financial date nights on an ongoing basis, everybody knows what's going on. We know your hopes and your dreams. And we also know the kind of the state of the union and what's going on in the household. It makes it a little bit better. Uh, so everybody knows what's going on versus one person knows everything and the other person kind of left behind the, the curve if something happens to that primary breadwinner or a person. Yeah, so beautiful. That's what I date money is all about. You know, my clients go, we go on weekly dates with our money and we look there at you go. we look at the wealth activation roadmap. And it's such a beautiful tip mm -hmm. and reminder for those of you who may be new listening to this show or may have just forgotten that we've shared this before. <laughs> tracking your numbers, creating those SOPs and tracking your numbers is going to build wealth. Thank you so much, Pamela, for being here. Thank you your expertise. For those of you listening, be sure to give us a five-star review, share it with all of the coaches, creators, entrepreneurs out there that need to know some tips and strategies on building wealth for retirement and really connecting with a pro like Pamela, a financial advisor. She's licensed in several states. Um, home base is Virginia. So if you're in the United States, um, check the show notes to um, connect with her. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. Be the next millionaire. With a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system, you get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.